Um, well, my priest, right, my the platonic priest, mm-hmm. um, is always the first pastor that I knew that I I had growing up, Father Cornelius of the late Father Cornelius O'Brien. He's uh, mm. from a good German, a good German man. <laughs> That's right. So Father O'Brien, uh, he was born in Cork, County Cork. And, oh my uh, God. Did you go to St. Mary's that had and the bells? <laughs> no. I so, feel like you're setting me up for uh, the bells of St. Mary here. No, it's, uh, so Father O'Brien from County Cork. No, he didn't actually Father speak, O'Brien. He didn't have a brogue, really. He actually had okay. more, of a, more of a British um, kind of. He was very, oh, like, no. very high, very intellectual man. This guy was okay. awesome. Um, but just a wonderful man and a wonderful thinker, and he smoked a pipe. And sounds uh, like my kind of a priest. He was awesome, and he would come over to dinner, and uh, I just remember him always. Uh, my my dad loved Father O'Brien. He's like Thomas, Thomas, let us talk. And, you know, <laughs> and I just remember Father O'Brien at the dinner table, and he was just. But he he was so he could go. I mean, he this he could quote in Latin from the Summa. I mean, he wow. he would give classes on the Summa. He was a brilliant man, and yet then at school because I went to. Catholic school, St. Timothy, Chantilly, Virginia. He, I mean, would just, you know, come down from the ambo and walk in between the, the, the aisles with all the kids asking questions, calling on us from, you know, the littlest kindergartners up to the eighth graders. And it was just, he was just a, just a marvelous example of someone who, who radiated love of the faith and a deep understanding of the faith and, still maintain the ability to communicate that love and that understanding to people of all ages. And I think that, um, that's just awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Father O'Brien, God rest your soul. That's, that's great. For me, it was, uh, not my first pastor, but the first pastor I, I have mostly, uh, the memory of, um, and actually, I had lunch with him today wow. at Oshaval All right. for my first Oshaval. And it was his first one, too. Father Larry, Larry Sullivan, um, he is like, that's who I, when I think of priests that I want to emulate besides Christ, the high priest. Um, he's definitely one of them. He was at my parish for 16 years. Uh, he was the associate who became the pastor um, I know a guy like that. Yeah, much like me. Uh, it was a little different of a situation, though. Um, and uh, we and we were his first assignment as well, uh, which is funny. So he's known me since I was in kindergarten. Um, so we uh, and then he was super involved in the youth group. And what parish um, is this? Saint Celestine, which is not far from here. It's twenty minutes that way. Um, to the for west. those for those at home, just go that way. Just twenty go minutes that way. Yeah. To the West, <laughs> twenty minutes. <laughs> um, but I mean, he was just when I was in junior high, he would uh, come around with his N sixty four, and he would have Mario Kart tournaments <laughs> with us in uh, in our classrooms. Uh, he'd be outside at recess. I mean, honestly, you know, we probably saw him in the school yeah, maybe three or four times, but it felt like he was in there all the time. Um, then when I got into high school, as in the youth group, he was really involved with our youth minister and. We would go out on go on retreats and to conferences and stuff. And um, you know, if we ever had a problem you know, with normal high school drama, him and our youth minister would be like the the two adults we'd go to about any issues. Some of our friends that got in a little more trouble. They went to them for like to sit down with their parents to talk through that trouble. And 
Like a mediator? Um, kind of like a mediator, because <laughs> I figured dad won't kill me in front of the priest. Um, <laughs> Did it ever happen? I I was never in those situations. Yeah. I, but none of your friends no were one killed. Died. Okay. No one No one was killed. So it yes. worked. It, I guess it did. Remember that, teenagers. Uh, <laughs> Bring a priest. Um, and so, yeah, and it, as, as I went through my own discernment and thought about priesthood, I always compared, like, what – what priesthood looked like to me, it, it was what Father Larry was doing. And so when I thought of, like, could I see myself being a priest, I just saw, I just remembered all the stuff I would see Father Larry doing, and that's who I was comparing the priesthood to. Because that's, that's the, that was the priest I knew. And all the other associate pastors that we had were, were very, like, very holy, awesome men. Um, but I didn't get to know them as much as I got to know um, Father Larry, because he was there for 16 years. I was in kindergarten when I first met him, and he left our parish when I was a junior in high school. Um, so it was just the last year of high school that he wasn't at our parish. Um, and when I discerned to enter the seminary, he was uh, like the first person I called to uh, ask questions, and he's been nothing but supportive ever since. Yeah. Um, what a great relationship. Yeah, he's definitely like my mentor priest. Yeah. Um, and if there's ever an issue here, he's the first guy I call. Welcome to Ed Talks. I'm Father Dominic. I'm Paul Maneric. And this is where we hope to inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Good call that we did introduce the podcast. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, people know who we are. We're... That's that's they, true. This is episode nine, ten. This is ten. No, eleven. Thirteen. Is this a, is this, <laughs> this is, is like how many letters are in transubstantiation? Do I hear fourteen? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, we don't. You know what? Ed talk. We need to add another line like parish banter, Catholic culture with coffee. No math. No math. No math. We don't do math. Maybe bad math. Bad math. Bad math. I like that. <laughs> we're willing Although to do I it. Think we're both on tea tonight, so we might just want to take out the with coffee. Yeah, and it's decaffeinated. Well, Banter, you know what? They, you know what? They didn't need to know culture, that. That's this this looks like the my my Yeti with the Chicago I, dog. I have just a boring Yeti. Oh, well, that's okay. That's it. Is it okay? All right. Well, uh, so holy we're here orders. to talk about holy orders. We're going through all the sacraments. We're rolling through. This is number we six. Are. Sacrament yes. number six. Yes. There's only seven. We're almost done with. We are almost we're done. Figure out something else. But anyway, <laughs> walk us through your 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 path. You you discern. You said, "Hey, I'm feeling this call. What what's next? What did you do?" Yeah, so different for everybody. But I I started thinking about being a priest when I was in seventh grade. That's kind of where I I position it. And it, again, it was because of Father Larry. Like he, because <laughs> he would come in the classroom, play Mario Kart. We'd see him at recess, and I'd see him on Sunday celebrating Mass. So I was like, "Well, if being a priest is just..." playing video games and hanging around with us and working one day a week. I was like, that's sign me up for that. Like, I already go to mass. So uh, yeah. So great. this is, and I like, I liked altar serving. So I was like, I think I could see myself doing this at the same time though. Uh, I'm an only child. And while we did have associate pastors, father Larry was by himself. Most of his, priesthood at at saint celestine and he at the way that saint celestine worked out it was two like houses that the priest lived in we didn't have like a traditional rectory like we have here um and so he had these two houses to himself and it it just i assumed it was very lonely and i we've already covered other podcasts and i'm a big wimp um, <laughs> and so i did not want to be home alone in like two big houses and so i you know, priests just, I just kind of put on the back burner and 
I'll settle, just deal with that later. And then all through high school, I was involved in my youth group and campus ministry, and I'd go on all these retreats and um, uh, conferences and stuff. And inevitably, they would tell us, pray for your vocation. You know, God is calling you to, to do something with your life, to be married, to the priesthood, to religious life, uh, your career. So pray for your vocation. And I would do that, and priesthood would inevitably come up again. And I would tell God, no, thank you. I <laughs> want to do other things. At that point, I was you know, I dating girls, and I enjoyed theater, and I wanted to be an architect at one time, and a police officer, and a fireman, and I had all these other ideas of what I wanted to do with my life. And then I entered the bargaining stage of discernment, where I was <laughs> like, well, priests can get married, so, you know, Lord, if you let me do what I want to do, and I get married, then I'll be a deacon, because they can, they can be married, and I'll serve the church that way, or... You know, I, I really I did like youth ministry and I liked what my youth minister was doing. I was like, you know, let me do what I want to do and then I'll be a youth minister at whatever parish I end up at someday. So like, I was under the bargaining stage and I just kept putting it off. And then I got it, you know, ready to graduate high school and go to college. And <clears throat> excuse me, I really wanted to go into theater. Um, so I decided to do a community college for two years to get gen eds and save money Um and I was working for like different amateur theater companies in Chicago, and I, I was enjoying it. Like I loved meeting people that were in the industry and learning from them. You know, I was helping like with all behind the scenes stuff. I wasn't act- I didn't want to be an actor. Um, and I was having fun, but I knew it wasn't what God was calling me to do. And because of Kim and Father Larry and my parents and all the great m- mentors in faith that I had, I knew that God would call me and I would feel something for a greater purpose to my life. Um, so I went back to prayer and prayed for my vo- my vocation as a career. I was pretty set that I wanted to get married. Um, and then my girlfriend dumped me. Uh, and I thought, well, if the Lord is calling me, and priesthood just kept coming up as I was praying for a career. Um, so I thought, well, this now or never like let's let's see and i uh, found out there was a college seminary for undergraduate for an undergraduate guys and i i honestly i entered the seminary 12 years 12 years ago thinking that i would show god how bad of an idea me being a priest would be so and you so you I went am. you went to this this college mm-hmm. and now which college was that I started at Triton College, and then I transferred into St. Joseph College Seminary at Loyola University on the North Shore. And now that college, they don't. We don't send. That's not. No, Cardinal Supic closed them. So and now they go. Now they to, go. Uh, we'll just. We'll just. Yeah, move we're gonna walk right that. over that one. Now they go up to St. John Vianney College Seminary in St. Paul, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So a young which man, which is at the University of St. Thomas. A young man, a middle-aged man, an old man, any man who's any feeling, man who doesn't have an undergraduate degree, feeling this discern, this 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 call, this vocation, uh, without an undergraduate degree. First, we'll go now if if he's in Chicago and wants to be a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago. Mm. Would go there now. You also have friends who are not archdiocesan priests. They are, yeah, they, they like are Franciscans, Franciscans, and and, other religious. Yeah. And so, what about them? What, what what is a? How does one become a Franciscan priest? So then you want to go to that religious order. Um, so they wherever you met them. So you would have had to find out about the Franciscans or the Dominicans or the Carmelites. Wherever you found them, go there <laughs> and ask them about. 
um, a vocation. So and tell them that you know, I, I there's something about your life that inspires me, and I think God might be calling me to live this life. And they will get you in touch with their vocation director. And like we have a vocation director in the Archdiocese of Chicago right now. His name is Father Tim Monahan. He's a great guy. Um, and so that religious order will get you in touch with their vocation director, and they'll start you on that process. Guys who already have an undergraduate degree, and there's many, there's more of those guys entering the seminary <clears throat> than there are guys out of high school or guys that don't have an undergraduate degree. Um, those guys uh, will also will then start their graduate level seminary, um, and they generally do. Well, they they all do this. It's generally called pre theology. So before you can start studying theology, which takes about four years. What is theology? The study of God. There we go. Literally, theos, God, ology, study of theology. Um, uh, so before you start your theology studies, uh, you have to have so many credit hours in philosophy, which is the love of wisdom. Um, different than theology. Different than theology. Totally different schools. Um, theology comes out of philosophy which is why we study it first. And so the undergraduate seminary, we get our bachelor's in philosophy. So I have my, I, I say I have my BA in BS. <laughs> I have my bachelor's <laughs> in, in philosophy. Um, and for guys that have their undergrads in engineering or whatever, uh, so they'll do two years of philosophy studies. We call it pre-theology, and then they'll do their four years of theology. So seminary can take anywhere from six to eight years, depending on where you fall in your collegiate career. What is a seminary? These, these are big uh, words where you yeah, that's seminary. True. That's true. We What's made, a seminary? Uh, good. You're good. I, well. That's why I pay the big bucks. <laughs> so a seminary is, is a, a school where you learn how to be a priest, where you're formed um, to be a priest. Awesome. And uh, the seminary you went to is? Mon uh, it's the University of St. Mary of the Lake Mundelein Seminary. And? The oldest chartered university in the state of Illinois. And University of St. Mary of the Lake. It's beautiful. It is gorgeous. For, go. For those of you who haven't never gone, been, go. yeah, it's awesome to go up there. And it's right by Marytown. It is. Which is a great place to go as well. Yes, perpetual Adoration. A, perpetual Adoration. There's and this Mundelein, this year, Mundelein Seminary is celebrating their 100th anniversary, their centennial. So they're going to have, if you go to Mundelein or USML.org, uh, they have all kinds of stuff there about the centennial and different events they're going to have throughout the year. It's super cool. It's, it's an incredible place to go. Um, just, yeah. I can't. I cannot echo Father Dominic's encouragement loudly and often enough. Cool. It is. It is a, a gem uh, for all of us. It's about what forty five minutes from where from we Saint are. From St. Ed's, yeah. About forty five minutes, and like I said, Marytown's right there, shrined to Maximilian Colby, one of the great saints of the twentieth century, and great uh, priest. Great. So you you are ready. You discern. You you say this is what I'm called to do. You go through what happened. Walk us through. So you don't just become a priest. Yeah, so, okay, so the formation program um, has, they call four pillars. So there's academics, spiritual, pastoral, and human. And so those are kind of the four areas that they work on with us throughout our, our years in seminary, not, you know, not just for four years, but every, every year. Um, so academics is learning, like, the information, because we have to know what we're talking about when we preach and give advice and, and help people spiritually. Um, spiritual formation is our own spiritual growth. Um, so we have a spiritual director, a, another priest that we meet with every two weeks. Um, it helps us through any 
of our own prayer life uh, that helps us um, grow in, in grace and virtue. Um, uh, we have to do a holy hour every day. We have daily mass. We start praying the Liturgy of the Hours, which is the official prayer of the church. It's uh, five prayer periods a day, um, starting in the morning and ending in the evening. If you if you do it when you're supposed to, sometimes your day gets busy and you do it all in the evening. <laughs> um, uh, but we start praying the liturgy, liturgy of the Hours. The seminary liturgy of the Hours is is your is one of your jobs. Yes, as, as a, a priest, priest, I promise to pray it. Now, Actually, as a deacon, I promise to pray it. And what about us lay folk? You do not have to pray it. But we can. But you can. And it's awesome. And you don't fall into mortal sin if you don't do it, where <laughs> I do. Yeah. So <laughs> so that's our spiritual formation. And then pastoral formation is uh, parish work. So pastoral work. Um, so we've, I, I've taught religious ed. Um, RCIA, youth ministry kind of counted as that kind of – that wasn't for education. That counted, uh, Youth ministry is part of my pastoral work. Um, uh, helping on parish, so we do an internship. So we spend six months living in a parish and following the priest around um, as we move up uh, in our studies and we get ordained. So when I was ordained a deacon, I was assigned to Christ the King Parish on the south side of the city where I did more pastoral work, baptizing, weddings, started marriage prep. Um, then I was assigned here as a deacon before I became the associate pastor and continued that pastoral work. And we then, had lots uh, of deacons since you've been a priest. And now we have more deacons sent here deacons. to St. Edward and seminarians that are in doing their pastoral work here. Um, and the fourth and final pillar is the human formation, which is how to not be a jerk <laughs> <laughs> and to be nice to people. <laughs> so, Which you also learn in the pastoral, but it's it's a separate pillar altogether. So when did you become a deacon? When were you ordained a deacon? I was ordained a deacon on May 9th. 2015. And then you were ordained a priest. May 21st of 2016. And who ordained you as a priest? Cardinal Supich. And how, what is your posture when you get ordained as a priest? Kneeling in front of him, uh, and he puts his hands on my head. So you kneel down in front of the Cardinal Archbishop. It mm-hmm. usually, is it is it always, I would imagine that the car, the Archbishop, because he's not always a Cardinal, mm-hmm. um, not, not by definition is the Archbishop of Chicago a Cardinal, um, so the Archbishop of Chicago, he is almost always the one who ordains his own priests. Correct, yeah. The, the bishop of the diocese should always be the one to ordain priests. There's obviously exceptions. Sure. And then if you were a Franciscan, say, who ordains you if you're a Franciscan? So the uh, the bishop of – well, any bishop can ordain you. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have that authority. Um, but it, So it's unique about that, and it's a funny Cardinal George story too – um, so part of the ordination ritual is we have to promise respect and obedience to the bishop and his successors. Um, so for a deacon ordination one year with Cardinal George, one of the guys from Africa, um, it was they, they couldn't get him home to be ordained. I think it was too expensive and his diocese couldn't afford it. So Cardinal George ordained him a deacon in Chicago, and then he would just go home for his priesthood ordination. Um so the, the, the man comes up, and he kneels in front of the cardinal, and we promise respect and obedience. We, the bishop, we have our hands folded, and then he puts his hands around our hands and says, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? What cardinal, so Cardinal George said that to him, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> and the cardinal, I guess, just kind of looked at him. The, the rector at the time, Monsignor Lyle, told us the story. 
And he had to lean over to the Cardinal and go, he's not one of yours. <laughs> the Cardinal's like, oh, okay. So the what he should have asked was, do you promise respect and obedience to your diocesan bishop and his successors? <laughs> so he, he re-asked the question the George right way. George almost got him. Cardinal George almost had him. <laughs> yeah, almost. We got another one. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so for a religious priest, like my friend Father Arturo, when he was ordained, uh, the bishop that ordained him, the question is, do you promise respect and obedience to the diocesan bishop of whatever diocese? It includes all dioceses that he could serve in and to your immediate superior uh, okay. and their successors. All right. Uh, so you've answered a lot of, 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 of inside baseball here, but now what is the coolest thing at Mundelein that we don't get to, to do or see, but you guys as students got? What's your favorite all of our parties. Your parties? Yeah, the parties. <laughs> that was the coolest thing. Um, so we, at Mundelein, we live on what we call cams. It's kind of like our floor. Um, and so every floor planned an event. Um, One per academic year, per semester? Per, per year. Per year. So throughout the whole year, there were always there was always something going on. So my cam did a karaoke night. Nice. Um, which was a lot of fun. Uh, another cam did an Oktoberfest. What would you sing? Do you um, remember? Do you have no. a go-to? Uh, whatever the popular pop song of the de- of the day was, I don't remember now. Backstreet's back. Uh, <laughs> that was when I was in high school. <laughs> uh, we've already established I'm older than you. Like, I don't know. Um, so we had an Oktoberfest. We had a casino night. Uh, casino night was probably my favorite night. Um, did you win? So the the cam that ran it, they would solicit donations. So the way that you did it was fake. It was all fake money. You paid real money to get chips. This is good practice for um, the church. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. We, we invented gambling, <laughs> please. Um, so you paid like $5 and you got like a cup full of chips. Yeah. And then uh, you, you gambled and then you used whatever chips you had left. And then you, they had a silent auction. So you could only bid with the money that you won. Um, and then you got free stuff. The coolest part was our professors, both our lay professors and our priest professors they would do a wee boxing tournament <laughs> and they would take bets and have like a little bookie on the side and you'd use your your chips to pay the bookie and that was that was really cool that was fun well i think we probably i don't know seven eight nine i will share another another fun yeah, story so te- another um uh one of the other the october fest that we would do obviously in october um there was always a huge bonfire. We'd do it outside, the cam that would run it. And one of the traditions of the the, the Oktoberfest, we call it a tie burning. Um, and so the, the deacons who were going to be ordained priests that year, they would all burn. It used to be a tie because obviously we, once we're ordained, we're wearing collars, so we don't have to wear a tie ever again in our life. Um, and so each guy would go up and share a little tidbit and then throw his tie in the fire. But over time, it's become now guys just burn something from their former life. So one year there was a guy, he was an ER doctor um, and discerned priesthood. And now, now he's a priest, Father Julio Lam here in the Archdiocese. Um, so Julio burned his doctor's coat, his white coat. Um, and then we had another guy uh, that had his ID badge from his corporate job that he threw the ID badge into the fire. So it's just, now it's become just a way of letting go of our, our old life and embracing the vocation God's called us Anybody to. from an office job throw in a stapler? No. His <laughs> <laughs> friend stapler. Have you seen my stapler? <laughs> uh, so, all right. Well, and I, I'm, I'm, so now, okay. 
let's wrap this up, but we want to wrap it up with, you're a priest. I am. I'm not a priest. Of I'm not an, an ordained, ordained priest. priest. So what does that mean? What can, what can you do that, that, that I can't do? I administer the sacraments. That's and that's that's the that's the whole point. Well, the, the main point of being a priest is to offer sacrifice. That's why only in the Catholic Church we are called priests. So Protestants do not refer to their liturgical leaders as priests. They call them pastor or reverend minister or minister because they don't believe that what they do in their liturgical rites, especially when they celebrate their version of communion. They don't believe it's a sacrifice. They're not offering a sacrifice where we very much believe and know that what we're doing at mass is offering a sacrifice and priests offer sacrifice. So that's my main job is to offer the sacrifice of the mass. And we've lost sight of that in a lot of the the history of the church. And the priesthood has, in my estimation, been reduced to a CEO or the leader of a company because people just see us as, as like a corporate leader or as an administrator. And then I think that's where a lot of people get upset that the priesthood is only reserved to a particular gender and that, you know, we're, we're not letting everybody uh, have a shot at being this, this great leader. And it's, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is for me to celebrate the Mass for the salvation of souls and to offer the sacraments. That's that's what I do that nobody else can do. And that is special, but it's also special to be able to enter into the, the sacred union of holy matrimony and have children, which I can't do. And that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. It's also really special and cool to to be a doctor and to help people if you're a first responder. And those are jobs that I don't do. Um, and it doesn't mean that any of us have, are better or worse than anyone else because of our vocation, whether it's a career or a sacrament. Um, it's just how the body of Christ works. And, of course, that is the most important thing, right? This is like yeah. the, uh, the priesthood, you are in persona Christi. Mm-hmm. You, you, you are. You are... Christ, you are doing Christ's work in a, in a specific way, and he he started this two thousand years ago, right? He mm-hmm. started it, and he chose, and he was very specific about who he chose, and unfortunately, he was also even chose Judas, right? So yeah. there, from the beginning, the, there have been bad, bad apples and bad yeah. priests. Judas um, was a priest. He was a priest. He was one of the. He's a bishop, in fact. Yeah, right? yeah, true. Yeah. Um. So anyway. Good things. Good things to keep in mind about the ordained priesthood versus the the universal priesthood that we're all called to in baptism. Yeah. Um, I do want to plug though too. Yeah, um, plug away celibacy because we it's it's very important for anyone out there who's discerning the priesthood, or if you know someone discerning the priesthood, they have to discern celibacy because that's also something that the seminary lost sight of for quite a few decades, and we're we're all too familiar with the consequences that have come from not talking about celibacy enough. Um, if God is calling you to be a priest, he's also calling you to a life of celibacy, and you have to discern both. Uh, so in our previous podcast, we talked about the sacrament of marriage. We talked about in your love for each other, it mimics Christ on the cross. And if you're not willing to die on the cross for that person you're dating, God is not calling you to marry them. 
in priesthood, one of our crosses is celibacy. And if God is not calling you to bear that cross, you're not called to be a priest. And then don't don't do it because <laughs> um, it's, it's not something that gets easier after you're ordained. <laughs> it's 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 a life and a vocation within the priesthood. They have to be called to anyone that's, that is discerning religious life. Your vows. Those are also I don't take vows of poverty um uh, poverty, chastity, and obedience. I, I promise to live a life of simplicity and celibacy, but I, I get a paycheck. I have money. I, I don't have a lot of money, but I have money, and I could buy, spend whatever I want on my money. Right. But someone who's asserting to be a Franciscan or Dominican or Carmelite, they have to make a vow of, of poverty, which means they're not going to have their own money. They can't go out and, if they want a new computer, they have to ask permission and probably sit down with their superior and and make an argument for buying the computer they want. I don't have to do that. I save my money. I afford the computer I want. I buy it. Um, and that's that's also not something that gets easier just because you're ordained. You can't. You don't just like one day wake up. You're like, oh, poverty doesn't bother me anymore. I don't. You know, it doesn't bother me that all my friends that are my age and have jobs are buying the cars that they want and going on vacations that they want. And you know, I have to ask the old guy down the hall for permission. <laughs> like that, just, that doesn't get easier just because you're ordained. Same with celibacy. And you have got, to dis, you have to discern both. And it loops back to what we talked about with marriage, right? Like, it's all about love, and it's all about the cross as the model of love. And it's just a different act of service. It's a different act of self giving in marriage than it is in the priesthood. But it is at the at the heart of it. It's both that it's that same self giving love. It's a choice, right. and it's a choice that you have to make every day. And you sign up for it when you get married. You sign up for it when you become a priest. You sign up when it when you become a nun. When you become a monk, you sign up for these this specific cross. And you say, "I want it. I embrace it. Let's go." Amen. Amen. Hey, rate us and review us on especially Apple Podcasts so that people know to listen to our podcast and share us um, with your family and friends. You've been sharing us all over the place, which is great. Trying to. So share our podcast. Get the word out. We sharing want to evangelize. Is, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. So yeah. do that. So until next time, I'm Father Davinick. And I'm Paul Maneric. And this is Ed Talks, where we hope to inspire saints who inspire saints to build the kingdom of God. Amen. <laughs>